Welcome to the Be Like Mike podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Jensen. In the second part of my conversation with the legendary Sonny Vicaro, we discussed the details surrounding two events that were pivotal in improving Nike's chances to sign Michael Jordan. The first was the fateful meeting in the spring of 1984, in which Rob Strasser, Howard Slusher, and Vicaro met to discuss the brand's endorsement strategy for the upcoming year. As portrayed in air, the initial strategy was to sign two or three players from the class of 1984 which incidentally turned out to be one of the greatest draft classes in NBA history and featured not one but four different Hall of Fame players. Number one pick, Akeem Olajuwon. Number three pick, Michael Jordan. Number five pick, Charles Barkley. And John Stockton, who picked number 16. As described in my first episode with Vicaro, while he'd been instrumental in helping to build Nike's basketball division to the point that all four teams in the Final Four that year wore Nike shoes, Vicaro had not up until this point been consulted in the brand's decision-making related to NBA endorsers. However, Strasser had grown to trust Vicaro, as well as developing a close relationship with David Falk, who he had met back in 1977. As described in this episode, this led Strasser to ask Vicaro whether he would bet his job on his recommendation to, quote, give it all to the kid. A little-known fact was that at the time in his role as a Nike consultant, Vicaro was reportedly making as little as $500 a month from Nike, so he didn't have a lot to lose. As discussions between Strasser and Falk about Jordan progressed throughout the summer, Vicaro set up a meeting between he, George Raveling, and Jordan in Santa Monica during the Olympics training camp, with Raveling persuading Compton College head coach Rudy Washington to bring Jordan to Santa Monica, in order to avoid the ire of Team USA head coach Bobby Knight if he had found out that Raveling had taken Jordan to a lunch meeting with Nike during training camp. At the conclusion of the episode, Vicaro reveals a pivotal moment that occurred at the end of the meeting that he believes was key to getting Jordan to consider Nike. Bobby Cremens in 1979 was at Appalachian State in Boone, right. North Carolina, and um, Bob Gibbons, the recruiting uh, analysis, was also in that area um, in North Carolina, and um, they had Michael Jordan at their camp that summer, the summer of 1979. Do you recall mm -hmm. at all whether you had a conversation with either Bobby Cremens or Bob Gibbons about Michael Jordan around that time? I didn't know who Michael Jordan was about that time. No clue whatsoever. And Bobby, and I knew Bob because Bob helped me in the early years of, of the camps and, you know, names. And Bob was the biggest name in that kind of world. Him and Howard Garfinkel on the East Coast. And, and Bobby was just growing because we were lifelong friends once I signed the Nike contract. But that was years later, too. So, no, I had no idea who Michael Jordan The first and only time in my life I saw Michael Jordan before he got to the pros was um, – when they beat Georgetown with that shot, that's, that's the reason we signed him. I was at that game. That, that, Jordan would not have been a Nike if I wasn't there, because Nike would never have thought about going after him. That, that's admitted. Even the ones that doubt me have to admit that. Right, right. So, um, so that was before Jordan's junior year in high school. But then he did, after his junior year, go to Tom Garfinkel's five-star camp in the summer of 1980, right? Yes. And where and you did recall, were well. you at 
Were you at that camp? No, 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 never, never saw him. Never, never, never. And I never would go to Garfinkel's camp. I mean, that, that, so no, I, I was now on the West Coast. That's, that's the reason, not that I wouldn't, because my, my, my sons went there. So I'm, that's because one was in Pittsburgh. I don't know if that's the one he went to. But anyway, but my point, never, 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 never saw Michael play until he beat Georgetown. Okay. Never. Um, however, I did, you did say in a previous story that you were at the 1981 McDonald's All-American game, which was held in Wichita, Kansas. Is that correct? No, I wasn't. Uh, he was the MVP there. No. You, you were not at that game. Mm. I, I I wouldn't have been that in which no I wouldn't have been that the kid from Kansas got the MVP and Michael should have got it. Right, right. Jordan scored uh, thirty points yeah. um, and made the tying and game-winning free throws with eleven seconds yeah. left, and they won the game ninety-six ninety-five. He he went thirteen of nineteen, uh, uh, hit all of his free throws and had six steals and four assists. So at that yeah. point, you had not seen Michael Jordan play. No, I never. I, Jonathan, I never saw Michael until he beat Georgetown. Michael, no, never on my radar. And you have to understand now, it, 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 even in that game, they, they screwed Michael. There's no question about it because they give, they give the local kids really good players too. He, he wasn't bad in the game even. He wasn't Michael. But anyway, it was, I, I, I wasn't, there were like places now, McDonald's is now working in 1980, just so you know that, okay? And McDonald's and the ACC had a, a tremendous bond. If you and it's not, you know, you're not going to go through all that stuff for this show. But my point is, they, you know, they, he would have gone to McDonald's game regardless of me, okay? I mean, so no, he wasn't on, you know, the radar or whatever. No. A big mistake, yeah. But, but no, I never saw him, you know, never saw him until, you know, he beat Georgetown. Right. So 1982 Final Four in New Orleans. Um, did you have any... Any conversations with any of the coaches there, um, you know, about him or about, um, you know, during that time at the Final Four? I never spoke of Michael Jordan or brought his name up until they brought me to Portland, Oregon, to tell them who I would, who I would tell them to spend their money on. That story is rock solid, even though I'm just telling you for your show. I respect what you're doing. You're an intellectual, you're a good kid, and you're an honest man because you research. I love that you research. So I'm saying to you, no, no, no. There's something about me, and we're not going to get into the psychology of Senator Carroll. I'd love to do it with you someday for another story, and that's good, but not this one. My point to you is there's a gift there somewhere with me, okay? I, I don't know what it is. I'm not going to get into it. Don't you use this or do whatever. I'm just telling you, I'm pretty good at this. If you go through to Kobe, if you go through to anybody, I sort of knew something a long time ago about these kids without ever knowing them until I met them. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It was just something. Why in the hell would I say this? I'm starting at Nike. I had nothing to do with pro basketball. I used to, I was a guy, I was around, but I didn't go to pro games. I went to college games. That's where I was. That, that, that was my livelihood. In the high schools then, the, my game, the Dapper Dan ran for 40-some years. I mean, whatever heck it was. I mean, we, we started in 64 and ended in 2007. I mean, you know, the, the, the origin, because that game turned out to be the one that played in Chicago. I don't know if you ever went to the one, you know, at the United Center. Um, so that was the same thing. I just, the Dapper Dan was changed. I went from Chicago to, 
to Detroit to, uh, to uh, from Pittsburgh to Detroit to Chicago. I moved the game around after I left Pittsburgh. So that's the Dapper Dan game, is the, the one in United Center where LeBron scored. We had 19,678 at the United Center. That was the round ball classic, Jonathan. Right. Same game. So you, you referenced this this meeting in Oregon. Um, so that would have been in the spring of 1984, this off-campus meeting that you had. Um, do you recall? You yes. know, so Phil Knight yes. was there. Rob Strasser was there. Peter no, Moore no, was no. there. No, Phil, no, Phil, Phil, Phil Knight was not there. Okay. No. So it was Rob you, Strasser, Rob Strasser, Peter Moore, and... and Howard, uh, Howard Slesher. Howard Slesher. Mm-hmm. That's a big name because he's a big guy at Nike right now. He's in Phil Knight's right hand man. Howard Slasher was one of the biggest agents in America at that time, football agents. He worked with Nike. And and what was and at that time they asked you um, about what direction they should take their basketball strategy in terms of you know signing multiple players or um, you know what their strategy would be to. Go up against Converse, which we all know at the time had, you know, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and Dr. J. Well, to put it plainly to your audience, okay, I was just one of four or five votes. They brought me in because we had been so successful. I knew all these guys. I knew the kids, but I, I didn't know them personally. I said I didn't know Michael. I just knew what I saw one day in where were we, New Orleans. That's that's all I knew about him. Never talked to him. Okay. Now they asked everybody in Slusher. We had we had let's just say five hundred thousand. That's what it was five hundred thousand dollars to spend. We were going to venture into it, and we were going to make an advertising campaign out of the the guys that we signed. We weren't the favorites in anything. Okay. We are we are the hot, we are the new company. We are doing great because of college basketball. Just so you understand that in, in your in your own psychology, to how you're doing this, okay? And then we have a lot of pros, all pros, Hall of Fame pros, but they didn't advertise them. You didn't know they wore the damn shoe. And you remember because of history, I tell you, you maybe too young. The the NBA Finals, when uh, when Magic played the Sixers, it was on tape delay in the East. I mean, so pro basketball wasn't big. They had their their drug scandals. You know, seriously. So now that's where we are. So they asked everybody what they would do. And Slusher was leading it. And Rob, they, they, led, the, they led the meeting. The meeting, a couple other people there. So anyway, they said, who do you want? And they, they gave seven or eight names up there. And they were all good. And, you know, the, you had the list in front of you. And then, I mean, Stockton and you know, they're, they're Barkley, shit. You know, they, they were great players. They were Hall of Fame players. And it came to you know, these guys were all saying, "Take, we're going to take two or three, two or three. This is how much money we have." And as God is my judge, you know, <laughs> I'm just telling you, they asked me a question. I had nothing. To, I didn't know like Slusher that well at that time. Okay, I never. I, I I knew Peter Moore, but I didn't know him that well. He was always in the background designing shoes, and I really had not a lot to do with. They did the, the color uh, thing for the, every school. We made colors for their 
shoes and their you know warm-ups and all that sort of stuff. I knew Peter, but I didn't know him that well until after Jordan. I said, give it all to the kids. I know it sounds trite and small or, you know, what the hell kind of statement. Well, that's why I said, just give it to the kids, the kid being Jordan. Okay. And I had an immediate rebuttal. Uh, what happens if he gets hurt? Well, that's a good question. Would have been broke. What happens uh, if he, you know, you got, you know, Drexler, you got this guy, Sam Bowie, he's going to sign with, you know, Portland, he's from there, and Barkley, and, you know, all these, there's a hell of a class. We'll give them all, because at that time, the numbers weren't that great. $150,000, and also, all you ever saw in in uh, in the, the pro advertising was the colors or the back page of Sports Illustrated or a, a billboard or something. There was no TV. They were, their games weren't even on television. No one wants to talk about that. No. And also, let's understand, for the record, Jordan got beat in the second. He, went, he won the championship his freshman year with a shot. He did two more years. They don't win again. They get beat early in a, in a round of 16, I think, uh, his junior year. He wasn't player of the year. He wasn't Duncan because he played for North Carolina. He wasn't the guy that did all the stuff. Why not? How the hell and why the heck did I ever say that? It's illogical if you're honest. And why would I say it when, what am I doing? I got a nice job. I got the run of the mill. I'm Senator Carroll. I travel all over. I go to all the games. I got these camps now going running around. I'm Mr. Sonny. I'm Mr. Nike. Just stop. You're an intelligent man. You got your PhD. Why in the hell would I even say it? If I had to believe it. And the question was, and is, and it happened. Rob said, hopefully in jest, we never had to find out. Would you bet your job on it? That was like, what, $500,000 a month? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying to you. So it had to be that way. It couldn't be any other way, Jonathan. That's what it was. So it sounds like, Rob Strasser, at that point, you had built up a, a great deal of trust with one another and um you know david falk wrote in his book that a lot of times when he'd recommend a particular athlete to rob strasser strasser didn't even know if he was a basketball player baseball player but he 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 had developed a level of trust with david falk and and same with you that when you made that recommendation it sounds like uh strasser had to then back that up and say well you know i i trust sonny he's the basketball expert Strasser. And even Falk is, is not telling the complete of that sentence. Strausser, every time he did a deal with Falk, Rob didn't know. That's why he talked to me. That's why I'm in Rob's book so prominent. That's why he'll be the man that I take to my death, one of the most influential people out of the family members in my life. Rob was a genius. That's so I know we understand that. They wrote a letter. They wrote a story about the man who saved Nike. You're not going into that. That's not your story. But just to go, let David Falk very seldom finishes his sentence. He's right about that. Rob Strasser was the most brilliant guy. The reason Nike is Nike today is because of Rob Strasser. And a small reason of that reason is because he's the one that really hired me. He's the one that told me he voted for me on Jordan. I, that, he, it was a thing to vote. Russia didn't want it. You know, Peter didn't know well enough to, to do it. And if you just, again, use your 
mind that your parents gave you, young man. Let, let me ask you a question. What common sense would you bet the whole pot? You're all in on this pot with Jordan, as opposed to going John Stockton, the lights and flash, you know, the guy going to Portland and playing. I mean, Sam Bowie, no one knew he was going to get sick and hurt. You know, Drexler, all these guys, they were, that was a great class, Barkley. We ended up signing a couple of them anyway later on for a lot less money than what? Jordan you, haven't even, you haven't even mentioned Akeem Olajuwon. Akeem, yeah, Akeem. Well, Akeem, that was, that was obviously the greatest one on paper that day, right? But I, the first, this, and I don't want it to sound bad, but basically I know, because he, he was obviously the first one, okay, and Bowie was there and all that. I said to them, big people don't sell shoes. Kids don't know who the big guys are. Will Chamberlain and, you know, you know whatever. Unfortunately, it makes them look bad, but that's the truth. That's the truth. I mean, now those big guys are Kevin Durant, right? <laughs> I mean, the, the game's changed. You know, Jonathan, right. I, I said that. Yeah. Elijah was by far, if you had to pick one guy that day in that office that just was on basketball, who would you have picked to be safe? Well, King turned out pretty good, didn't he? Yeah, he's one of the greatest centers of all time for sure, and, and he had had a long, right. so, a long historic career in college as well. And, so, right, and he also he also lived beyond it. He was he's a personality. He's a foreigner. He's black, and he was you know different, and he was big, and he was good, and you know that's my point. We went against the grain. Never right, in my so, mind. So at, at that time in that meeting in the spring of 1984, um, you you had said that you had some sort of a hunch um, that Jordan would be coming out that year. Had you yeah. uh, had you had any conversations with coaches, any of the assistant coaches at Carolina at that point to to give you that inclination that that he would be be leaving that year? No, again, none whatsoever. I did not know Dean Smith. I did not know Michael. I did not know David Falkow. In fact, David said to Rob, I think that's on record, one of the things you find it, he may go back to school. He may. My logic was tonight and to Rob, and another guy was in a meeting. It was Peter. I said, he ain't going back to school. They were embarrassed this year. My prediction was, what is he going back to school for? Now, eventually, and you've got to be very, very honest with yourself here, okay? It wasn't like great things happened in marketing and all that. You were just going to be drafted and, you know, you're going to get the pay scale, whatever it was at that time. Jordan wasn't like the, the player of the year. That's why I said, what guarantee was there going back to school another year? And the other thing is that I said, that system is the worst system in the world for Michael Jordan, even though, you know, everyone dies at the altar for Coach Smith, and they should. Uh, this is not critical of his coaching pretty goddamn success and a great human being. So I don't want you to misinterpret if you put any of this in the respect I have. But it was against the grain for Michael Jordan. He was buying, he was being stopped by college basketball. That was my analogy. I said, he's coming out. And there was no, there weren't a lot of people coming out then, Jonathan. It wasn't like, like today, like they're, they're coming out and they're in sixth grade now. You understand the world changed, but I sort of knew that. I didn't have any information. It was just a thing. Right. Yeah. Dean Smith is the last, uh, you know, last person to hold Michael Jordan under 20 points a game, of course. Right. And, that was, and I, I said, I don't know if I use those words, but I said, what was he got? 
they got beat what round of 16 am i right yeah they lost it lost to indiana um that year yep yep so he wasn't even on like the radar the and again it wasn't like today that's 1980s right i mean my god almighty there there wasn't there was no espn and all that sort of stuff so uh do you recall in that meeting um it was was the idea of a custom shoe built around a basketball player was that discussed at all in that meeting obviously that was a an idea that you that you presented a little bit later that year do you do you remember where that idea came from because that was not again again converse yeah. had had you know um had basically the three best players in the game and they didn't have custom shoes you know, dr j and larry bird and magic johnson they had different colored converse shoes but they didn't have a custom shoe so that was that was a fairly revolutionary now, idea i'm going to say to you nothing to do with sunny peter moore and rob told me told me that's all i can say i didn't know i didn't suggest it it was new to me when i met with jordan at, at that that restaurant he told they told me tell him he's going to have a signature shoe i didn't know what the hell that meant either to be very honest with you in 1984 all I knew was it was going to be one of a kind. His it was going to be the Jordan shoe. Air Jordan. It was a different name at the beginning, I think. I, I don't think it was Air or whatever. So that's what I knew. Rob and Peter knew that. That's a fact. I don't care what they try to do up there at Nike since nobody's around anymore. That's how. And Tinker Hatfield didn't do it. Not, that's not for your show. But that's you know what I'm probably talking about. They're trying to change history up there. Yeah. Right. But the idea, that, so the idea is, of a custom shoe, that was not, you're, you're giving credit to Strasser and Moore for that, for giving you that idea, basically saying, hey, you know, if, if you go talk to Jordan, put that in your back pocket as kind of being something that, that might, you know, pique his interest. Jonathan, that's the, the way it should be told. They told me, you tell the, the kid, you tell him he's going to have a custom shoe, I, and I, I wouldn't have known what a custom shoe was. I'm not a shoe guy, you know. He was going to have this thing, and I think we had the colors were different. And that's when they argued with the NBA. So it was all Peter and Rob. I know that was not my, my idea. Was the human being to wear the shoes? Right. So when so you reached out to George Raveling, um, who you knew very very well at that time, and uh, and asked him whether um, you know during the um, training camp for the Olympic trials in Los Angeles. Um, you know, whether he could assist you in, in getting a meeting with Michael Jordan. Do you recall if you had, did you mention this custom shoe idea or, or not until you actually got to the meeting? No, George, I reached out to George. He was assisting to Bobby Knight at the camp. Okay, George was going to, I don't think I was married yet. You know, I, I might have been 84. He was the best man at my wedding. I've known him since 1966 at the Dapper Dan Rombach facing. He was a great friend. Uh, I signed into a Nike contract, you know, when, when he was in college in Washington State, I believe. Um, so, yeah, he was my best friend. He was an assistant. You didn't do anything behind Bobby's back. I had to get Michael to meet me. So George got Rudy Washington is a key player in this. You, you thought that Jordan liked the Adidas track suits, and that was one of the reasons why he kind of had an affinity for Adidas. Is that accurate? I didn't know until he told me that. He said, the only thing I know, he said this at the meeting, is they had the best uh, sweatsuits, he called them, sweatsuits. 
He said they were beautiful. He liked to wear them. He wore them when he didn't wear his uh, Converse stuff at North Carolina. He liked the leather on the shoes. He liked Adidas. You know, if Adidas would have given him the same amount of money of Nike, he would have signed with Adidas. That's what happened at, at, at Tony Romo's, I'm telling you. Right, right, well, in, do, in, do you know, in Santa you know Monica. Yeah, right, in Santa Monica. Yeah, Santa Monica Boulevard. Okay, go right, ahead. it was go it was ahead. just it was you you Michael George Raveling and Rudy Washington were were no, Rudy at, went Rudy, Rudy Rudy went by himself and had dinner at uh, or lunch over he didn't stay with us he dropped okay. him off went to lunch in the same hotel then took then we left and he brought his girlfriend with him Olga yes right so this that's would how have, that happened so this would have been in um this was in May of. Or was it? When, or when was this maybe late when, April? When no? When was the Olympics? When you know, like out there? Well, the the Olympics the Oli didn't, didn't actually start until um, the end of no, July, no, but they had a long, long no, training no, camp. Here's what I'm saying. Yeah, in order to be exact, just go back. I was going to say get when the training camp was because they played exhibitions in San Diego and you know in, in the Forum or whatever it was at that time. Yeah, that's when it was. I can't give you the date. I mean, somewhere in the archives are probably there. But that's when it was. It was during that time. It was a, it was an off day, and uh, and and they, they came up. And it was like an early lunch, so that's what it was. Right, right. And and do you recall Jordan's reaction to you um, proposing this idea of a custom shoe? Um, was he intrigued, or it was kind of, hey, I I really like Adidas. I like their sweatpants, so I'm probably going to end up going with them. How did you feel so at the end of that meeting? Okay, here's here's how that went. Okay, here's exactly how it went. We talked about just me. Uh, we might have brought in the All Star Game because that, you know, that always comes up, and you know, and I just didn't know about him. His one of his questions: Why did you, you know, why do you think I am the guy? And I told him about Georgetown and everything. The conversation for the first half hour, where we everyone laughed at, and, you know, everyone was just me, him, and George really. Uh, was that I never knew him. He never played my game, never went to my camp, didn't go to a school we sponsored. It was like almost, if you want to play odds, what the odds of that happening? I didn't know the kid. He knew all of me, but again, I didn't have ABCD at that time because that's when he, in 84, when he started coming, being part of it. He didn't really understand what the round ball would have been because he played in the McDonald's game and he was still pissed off and didn't get the MVP. So what what he basically said, he talked about Adidas. And we made jokes and I told him about my background. We talked I told him about uh, uh, Las Vegas and uh, so somehow they got into a conversation and Jerry Tarkanian and, you know, just basketball. Uh, it was a, a great, you know, of, uh, of Georgetown he knew I knew John. We talked about John for a few minutes. It was just that kind. But see, the key to this whole thing was, and it's again, fate. I don't know how else you do it, Jonathan. At the end, we were sort of like dinner and last. I had no idea. At that time, I had no idea. I told him about Nike. There was nothing in my mind to think that he was coming with Nike. Nothing. Because I know it was going to be about money. He specifically talked about he liked Adidas. He ne never knew anything about Nike. So we go that, that route. The school, nothing, nothing. But here's what I said. And I played my cards right. I remember what 
but Rob and Peter talk. I said, Michael, there's one thing I want you to know. What? I'm gonna, they're going to make a special shoe around you. It's going to be called a signature shoe. And they gave me the word that you'll be the only basketball player to have his shoe. And you know what? Looking back 40 years later, I don't know if I could have gone any further in my conversation, Jonathan. I want to be honest with your report. And I said this only maybe once or twice. I couldn't have talked about what the hell they meant other than I remembered what Rob told me. And he said, what do you mean? I said, it's going to be your shoe, your name. I didn't say Jordan. I said, it's going to be something that you do well. And remember the first insignia was the, air, the, the, the airplane wings, the captain's wings on an airplane, because Peter thought he was like an airplane. You know, he, he can jump like, you know, be in the sky like an airplane. One of the first motivating uh, uh, things on a poster was going to be this airplane flying. And there was Michael jumping then. I, it's somewhere along the way in my lifetime, I've experienced those kind of things. At the last minute, maybe the most important thing I said to whatever it was at the last minute, there weren't a lot of them, so I don't want you to think I'm Nostradamus. But my point here is, and that caught attention for five or 10 more minutes because everyone's like, okay, we're like getting ready to leave, we're get back to practice, or whatever, getting, you know, Rudy was done, you know, George was done. And, and Michael said, he asked me, what is that? It's going to be yours. It's going to be your signature. And I don't want to say exactly, because I didn't say that. But it intrigued the hell out of them. And I'm thanking God this minute, 60, 50 years later, you know, Jonathan, that I didn't have to explain it. Because I didn't know what the hell he meant. I didn't know what Robin Peter meant. But the key word was your own shoe, signature shoe. Signature was said. That's the word I think, a signature show. That's interesting. I don't know about you, but I thought that discussion with Sonny Vicaro was fascinating, particularly the details of his very first meeting with Michael Jordan, which was in advance of the start of the Olympic Games in Los Angeles in late July. During the interview, I'd used the term trials, but those had happened back in Indiana in April through June. By this point, the team had already been whittled down. In addition to practicing, the team was also in the midst of playing a memorable string of exhibition games against NBA players, which Jordan more than held his own against, and the team won every game. And in the Olympics, every win was by double digits, including a 31-point win over Spain in the gold medal game in August, and Jordan was the team's leading scorer. I think we should talk a little bit about this idea of a signature shoe that Vicaro feels was instrumental in getting Jordan's attention at their lunch together. David Falk discussed this concept in his book, which was entitled The Bald Truth, and I highly recommend it. Falk's agency, ProServe, which was founded by one of the legendary agents of his time, Donald Dell, had worked with a lot of tennis players, such as Arthur Ashe, Stan Smith, Jimmy Connors, and Yvonne Lendl. In individual sports such as tennis and golf, the idea of a signature shoe and equipment such as tennis rackets and golf clubs had been commonplace, dating all the way back to Arnold Palmer's deal with Wilson back in the 1960s. Falk wanted to bring that concept to basketball, which as we discussed in this episode was not common, even for superstars such as Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Dr. J. So Falk had pitched the idea to Strasser, and that fateful lunch was the very first opportunity for Vaccaro and Nike to pitch the idea back to Jordan. As Vaccaro described, it obviously got Jordan's attention and would remain a point of differentiation as Falk and Jordan said about scheduling their subsequent meetings 
with Nike, Converse, and Adidas. Sometimes I dream that he is me. Got to see that's how I dream to be.